You're listening to the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Vakula, here to help you travel the world and next to no cost with credit card points, miles, benefits, and rewards. Make money, save money, and take advantage of great deals. Thanks for joining me for today's episode, Wheelchair Traveling with Ashley Lynn Olson. We chatted about credit cards, miles and points, traveling with disabilities, and destinations Ashley has visited. Ashley is an expert in wheelchair accessible travel and started wheelchairtraveling.com, that's wheelchairtraveling, T-R-A-V-E-L-I-N-G.com, in 2006. Ashley's website incorporates a plethora of travel guides for over 900 destinations contributed by more than 150 people with resources and tips for activities, attractions, hotels, tours, transportation, cruises, equipment, and more. Some of Ashley's favorite trips have been to Easter Island, New Zealand, and Portugal. Her Access to Parks project, that's Access Number 2 Parks project, has recently been formally recognized and displayed in the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. On with today's episode. All right, we're here with Ashley Lynn Olson from wheelchairtraveling.com. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, so happy to be here. Yes, we chatted on the Stoic Solutions podcast about your book, and now we're here talking on the travel podcast about the other side of what you're doing, wheelchairtraveling.com. And your book, if you can go ahead and plug that to listeners at the front here. Oh, yes. My book is called Confined to a Line, and it's available on Amazon. All right. So we have your book, Confined to a Line, and your website, wheelchairtraveling.com. That's T-R-A-V-E-L-I-N-G dot com, not the two L's for those that might misspell traveling. Yes, just the plain old American way. (laughs) All right, very good. A big focus of your website is traveling with disabilities. How has travel been for you in a wheelchair? What are some accommodations? What are some things that people should know, whether they are limited in mobility or whether they happen to be a caregiver, a friend, a partner, or something else? One of the first things to always pack with you is a positive attitude. You know, think about, you know, what you can do in a particular situation or a particular moment. But also, I think it's it's really important to have realistic expectations on what you're physically able to do in that time and space that you're physically in, Um, whether it's, uh, you know, you might have a various ability, um, you know, you know, it's you really need to, you know, take a hard look at, you know, yourself, you know, are you traveling with other people? Are you bringing anything with you? You know, what's, what's going to, what's going to be the setup and then be able to uh, make some very good hard decisions on how to make the most out of your time there. Some people just give up and not travel thinking that travel is too difficult or, oh, I don't think it's worth the effort or, oh, I don't know, I'm going to be able to figure it out. What are some suggestions you might have for others? There's so many blogs and videos out there nowadays and ways to follow various people on social media, including myself, just to kind of really get a feel for, you know, what it's like and to get some ideas of, you know, different activities that other people have done and um, even real time videos and reviews and possibly even connect with these people through social media or email or, or, you know, something else and get better feedback so a person can plan accordingly. I never like to recommend people to to live in fear. I mean, there's so much of this beautiful world to see and experience and to put limitations on yourself is, is not living. So, and there's so much of life to live. So whether it's, you know, fishing by the river or, you know, taking a gondola ride up to the top of the mountain Um, or even, you know, maybe even just skiing down the mountain, you know, with an inaccessible ski. There's so many different possibilities out there. So for all different people's levels of abilities, um, for example, um, even though that uh, I don't have the ability to use my legs, you know, there's all different kinds of bikes and, uh, like I said, different kinds of adapted ski equipment that allow people to experience that. 
And even if you don't have the ability to use your arms, there's all different kinds of adaptions where people can use their head or their mouth to use these types of adaptive equipment to still get out on the trails or, you know, go down a mountain and still be themselves. So don't give up on who you are. Just figure out a way on how to do it in a wheelchair or with your new ability. Yes, definitely scouting ahead of time, as you mentioned, is really helpful rather than, oh, let's book a flight a week from now and travel and not even do any research. And I think that can be overwhelming for some people, not knowing about what to expect at a destination and not knowing how to prepare for it. Definitely. Scouting as much as possible is good. Ask questions. If you could you know, talk to somebody at a hotel to get you know specific details, if you're concerned about what a hotel might look like, for example, if you're not getting all the information that you desire from a website, um, call the hotel, you know, get some details, have the manager take some pictures for you. And if they won't do it, then don't go to the ho- that hotel. Find some place that, you know, will go the extra mile to, um, you know, provide you with the information that you need, you know, one, to be safe at a hotel, but then to, yes, enjoy the city because we're not just there to spend our time at a hotel unless it's, you know, a nice resort, which is a different kind of vacation. But, you know, if you're at a, you know, a destination city, um, you want to be able to get out and, and explore and, and do things and, and not be limited. So you want to be able to get information. Um, nowadays, I'm very happy to, to say that more and more general uh, visitor centers and, and resource companies and stuff in, in general are putting accessible accessible information on their websites and or pamphlets and, and, and in-person uh, flyers and so on. Um I remember just in, on a recent trip, I went to Milwaukee and I got, you know, the city, the city guide that had restaurants and, you know, about music and so on. And I was so happy to see that next to every single attraction or restaurant, et cetera, there was actually a wheelchair icon. Some of them didn't have that. So that definitely indicated to me, okay, there's definitely some kind of level of access at this particular venue or site. So that gave me some hope to maybe even inquire further about what that might be if I did need to know further details. But still, I know something was available there. Um, and then even on park websites and um, hotels, I mean, the industry in general is changing a lot, which is fantastic in terms of putting more information out there. But there's still details that you know are missing and not every destination and city and hotel are covered. But in good time, you know, we hope to solve that. Yes, personally, I mostly stay at Hyatt and Hilton properties, and when I'm booking online or through the app, I usually see ADA accessible rooms or a lot of details about the room types. So this can definitely help people prepare if they happen to have disabilities or they're traveling with someone with disabilities. Oh, yes, definitely. Hyatt's and Hilton's are really good about indicating whether or not a hotel room has a roll-in shower or a bathtub, which I really appreciate. And that's been your experience. You've been staying at a lot of these properties rather than just a random comfort inn or red roof inn that might not be as transparent or of a better quality. Um, Well, depends on where I might be staying because sometimes I might be staying on the way to a destination. And uh, so there may not be that many options in terms of, you know, hotels. But um, precarious, accessible features at um, at Hilton's, you know, even Ooh. though they, they, they were ex- accessible. Um, there's there's a lot of details that I, I wish uh, general managers would just generally kind of uh, consider, even though it's not officially ADA and it's doesn't have to be crossed off the list. I would love hotels to consider having the soap, shampoo and conditioner that is now most commonly mounted on walls, mm-hmm. um, which is the new hotel trend, which I understand perfectly okay with that, but have that within reach of the bench that's been mounted in the shower and have it in a place within a reasonable, within um, a, a good reach. Um, so I'm not talking about uh, placing them directly behind a person's back when they're you know having to bend and turn to try to get that soap, but have them you know, just in a nice, obvious spot from that they can access from sitting at the bench. Those things I've actually been finding more and more and more with like the soap dispensers, whether it's the shower or, you know, by the sink or in restaurants. Um, 
they're just not lowering these soap dispensers in the handicapped, you know, accessible facilities. And it's, it's a little bit baffling to me because it doesn't just affect people, you know, who are in wheelchairs. It affects other people who need accessibility. And have you communicated with hotel staff beforehand or have seen the room details to help with a lot of your travels? Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, whenever I book, I definitely try to get pictures or have a clear sense of what a hotel looks like beforehand. But I've, you know, I've ran into all sorts of funny things, you know, e- even with that. Uh, for example, where was I in recently um, at a Westin hotel? I love Westin hotels too. I would love to work with them on this issue. And I believe I, I may know where the issue faltered, but that's a a longer conversation. Um, but when I uh, checked in, I had booked a room in advance, like nine months in advance for a roll-in shower, saw pictures and everything. And even on my confirmation, it, it said a roll-in shower. I was very confident and and I get there and it's not a roll-in shower. They gave my room away or something. They put me in, in a room with a bathtub and they didn't have a room available that w- with a roll-in shower that night. They had one the, the, the following night, but not the night that I was checking in. So I was a little disappointed, even though I know sometimes I check and I check and I check. Sometimes these things just happen, but this is where patience comes into play and where you can just, you know, by just remaining calm and, you know, just making the best of the moment and you know just do yeah just doing the best that you can you never know what the possibility what might arise because in this particular example um i was actually upgraded to a much better room so i was very happy that um they offered me that and they said because you know i was so kind you know and i was so patient you know and i didn't (laughs) yell at anybody you know and i kind of understood kind of the circumstance to some degree um that they really wanted to you know honor honor that and bump me up to a nicer room i don't know i don't know if that was just a line but either way um i i kind of honestly i I believe that the person was sincere so um i'm happy to have those kinds of amenities or maybe i've also been offered to have you know maybe a free night stay in the future that kind of a thing so you just you just never know It, it it never pays to i feel like to throw a fit. I mean, it right, doesn't right. feel good to yourself, to the management, you know, maybe there's a gal or a guy behind the desk, you know, it's not their fault. <laughs> it's not their particular fault. So there's, there's no need to, you know, get angry at, at the situation. It's, it's about, okay, how can we solve this? How can we solve this? How can we make this the best it can be right now? Yes. And I usually recommend looking around before unpacking things rather than unpacking everything and then seeing there's an issue with the bed or the shower or there's some problem in the room. Like I was on a cruise and the room didn't have good Wi-Fi coverage. It just wasn't working near the bed area, but only near the door area. So it's like, okay, well, instead of finding that out later and having to repack and move the room, then I can just go ahead and make a request for another room and save myself the time there. Oh, yes, 100%. Check the room. Make sure that enough features are accessible for you. Um, And I definitely did do that on this occasion. But uh, just unfortunately, they didn't have any more rooms with a roll-in shower left until the following day. So that just got a little complicated. But in other cases, you know, definitely check and you could be be, be upgraded. And actually, even, even recently... Um, I had, uh, even more recently, I had booked an accessible hotel room, and unfortunately, they had given my hotel room away, and because I had come fairly late in the evening, it was after dinner time, so I'm not sure what the, the protocol or the policy is on that with hotels and when they are allowed to give rooms away, especially when they're handicap accessible rooms. Um, but my room was given away. So when we were at the front desk and just kind of sh- in shock that, you know, what had occurred, um, there happened to be a gentleman who had checked in uh, the day before. And he said, you know what, like I have a handicap room, like he, he was elderly, but he said that he could definitely manage having a regular room. So he would be more than well, you know, willing to give up his room. And if, if the housekeeping could, you know, give it a little spruce cleaning up, you know, and which they did. And we were able to get that handicap accessible room. 
But again, by just kind of speaking our mind in, in peace and just trying to solve the problem, luckily there was a fellow customer there who was willing to step in and um, and to help us. So, you know, just always be willing to, you know, to pivot and think on your feet. <laughs> and now a big focus of the show, of course, is using credit cards, miles and points, loyalty programs, travel benefits to lower the cost of travel and have better travel experience. So what's been your experience with any of the above, maybe different loyalty programs being helpful or certain benefits helping you with travel? I've definitely used um, some credit card points in general um, for hotels and for flights, um, or even sometimes I'll just be able to, uh, where I can just use it for whatever I want for my travel experience, um, which has been very helpful and fun. So I know there's a lot of really neat tips and tricks that you can do using credit cards. Uh, And I know I have people that um, I'm friends with who are are masters at this more so than I, and I do love traveling with them because of that reason. Um, And I would like one of these days for, uh, for somebody to really kind of sit me down and teach me some of these tricks, because I know there's still a lot for me to learn. All right. Maybe after the show. And I certainly have many other episodes talking about the uh, finer points of things. Terrific. (laughs) any airport lounges maybe that you've used Uh, it's interesting to hear about the airport lounges because some people new to credit cards or the hobby who have not experienced the lounges i think have something to gain through visiting them please elaborate i don't uh, it hasn't been you know very frequently so oh maybe you've used american express centurion lounge priority pass lounges maybe admirals club with aa delta sky clubs um yeah delta sky club that's what it was all right. And how was that for you? Did you arrive at the airport earlier than expected to use the lounge or were you using it on a layover? I showed up early and was able to hang out in the lounge, wanted to take full advantage of that and, you know, just stretch out, uh, have some nice peace and quiet, you know, not, you know, many lines, be able to, you know, plug in all my electronics and really kind of get prepared for my travel trip. I mean, it was such a great experience. I would love to do it every time I fly. Nice. Yes. One of my past podcast guests, Darren Remsberg, said that the vacation starts at the airport rather than just the destination as he and I both get to the airport intentionally early to hang out in the lounge, get the food and drink and not having to rush and not having to also just wait in a loud terminal, just have a quieter space to be in. Oh, definitely. I I mean, in general, I always like to arrive at the airport early to not rush just so I can, you know, get get my water, you know, if I want to get a snack or I do want to get something to eat, you know, and just get, yeah, get charged up, you know, possibly, yeah, lay down and just, you know, just prepare myself, you know, mentally and physically for my flight because I feel like I have gone to the airport in a very rushed situation and the travel experience just wasn't as enjoyable as, you know, when you're just taking your time and people watching and just kind of letting it all wash over you. And have you been able to use credit cards overseas, cards that you might have with no foreign transaction fee rather than having to use local currency or domestically using cash? I believe I have set up things like that in advance through my bank and um, with a Visa credit card. I know I have a Visa card and I have a Visa credit card linked with my bank, so I can't remember the exact details, but for sure I know I definitely arranged um, with them in advance before I before I traveled, you know, about the situation, yes, to help with the fees. And of course, so they wouldn't stop their credit card (laughs) and think that it was stolen, which is also very important when you travel. Yeah, that would be a disaster. You go to Portugal, for example, and then you try to buy something and your card is declined. And how are you going to get in touch with the card issuer? (laughs) That would not be fun. Yes. And I don't know. I don't know for you, but for me personally, when I travel, I don't travel with, you know, every card, you know, possible oh um, yes i i keep my war chest at home for the most point most part like i have cards that own bonus bonus points at u.s grocery stores or u.s restaurants so when i'm going overseas i won't be taking the amex gold card with me in most cases uh, i usually use the u.s bank altitude reserve credit card because it has no foreign transaction fees and i can also use the mobile wallet feature to get 3x points or 4.5 percent back on everything so 
I haven't had problems with using mobile pay overseas with the U.S. Bank Altitude Reserves. So that's that's really helped. And it's always nice getting the 4.5% back rather than just 1% or 2% on random other cards. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, it's a great Alt- tip. Altitude Reserve, a fan favorite for sure. <laughs> it's good rather than having to, say, go to a currency converter and paying fees for that and then having the extra currency at the end. I mean, maybe sometimes you'll actually need physical currency to pay for maybe things like buses or food. But I try to use credit for everything possible on overseas trips and domestic. Of course, it's really easy. Yeah, it's really helped to manage your purchases. And yeah, especially at the very end when you get home, being able just to have everything on your bank account or, you know, on on that statement, Mm -hmm. be able to itemize everything and make sure that, you know, everything is correct. (laughs) Yep. And the purchase protections as well as people out there using debit cards, if they have fraudulent activities going on, they're very likely going to have to float the fraudulent transactions for a week, two weeks, maybe even more while the bank figures it out. But if we have any issues with credit, then we don't have to worry about that extra money. And usually things are resolved pretty quickly when we dispute the charges. Yes, definitely. And I think it's also important to have at least maybe one credit card on you that has a higher limit. Um, maybe you may or may not use it just depending on kind of what's what you have set up. But just in case of emergencies, just in case, you know, you really need to, I don't know, rent a, a, a an expensive car or just, you know, things happen when you, when you travel. You, you never know. So it's nice just to be prepared. Yeah, options are good. Of course, we're not going to recommend wailing out at a nightclub spending $15,000 on bottle service. No, uh, <laughs> but yeah, some other other expenses and having multiple cards is good just in case there's an issue with fraud alerts or well, there's some kind of problem, too. Actually, Justin, it depends on how much is in your bank account. So I guess nowadays, <laughs> I mean, some. Oh, people- I'm saying using credit, not not debit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, even, even debit nowadays. Yeah. Some people around the world, you know, drop that kind of amount of money. In, oh, in yeah. Day, no problem. So yeah, it's it's an interesting thing as um, some haters like Dave Ramsey, I've responded to a lot where he's saying, Oh, you're going to use credit, you're going to spend more money. And my response to that is, well, it's not that credit is itself a bad thing. It's how you're going to use it. And yes, people will drop cash and use debit and all these extravagant purchases that I wouldn't recommend. So it's just about using credit responsibly, going in with a plan, being mindful about spending. Being an adult, right? (laughs) Having every responsibility. Don't don't overspend. Don't be spending, you know, on on things that you don't need. I mean, definitely there's always different ways where you can save money and other ways, you know, if you're going to be spending, you know, a a lot of money on maybe like a hotel room or something like that, you can save money, you know, in, in other facets of travel. So if you can just be like smart spending, you know, of course, looking at, you know, that interest rate and whatnot and making sure that's not going to hurt you too bad and make sure that you're going to have, um, you know, be able to pay, pay it off, you know, in a reasonable way and not have that just hang over your head forever and ever and ever. Oh, yes. Zero interest for sure. I'm recommending paying zero interest and of only course. buying well, the things zero that interest, one can afford. Of course. Zero interest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there a card that's zero interest? Oh, no. Ever? I'm saying um, not to pay interest, that only oh. to charge things that you can afford. Because, yes, if you're going to be spending 20 25% in interest, then yeah, that yeah, you're not going to get ahead of that, as as you mentioned in many cases. So yes, yes. spending responsibly, being mindful. Yes, there's too many friends that I know in in, in college or just yeah. Oh no, that they got you know in college setting up on their on the college campus, and oh, you get free tickets to this, or you get a free shirt, or free this or that, and oh, with yeah, twenty five percent yeah rates, it was just murder, absolute murder. Yep. So again, being responsible and some podcast guests have explained treating credit like a debit card that we're just going to either put it on auto pay and pay the balance in full, or we're just going to manually log in every week, every two weeks, whatever, and make the payments that are required, connect it to checking account and just make the payment in full, pay that statement balance in full. So we're not paying any interest because that's going to erode the value of the points and miles and the other benefits we're getting. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you can ever get ahead of that, too, of course, you know, like pay, pay more. Don't ever just, yeah, pay the bare minimum every single time because that's going to yep. be so hard to catch up. <laughs> yep. The full statement balance for sure. 
And how has it been managing accounts? Because some critics of credit are saying, oh, I don't get any credit cards because I think it's too much to manage. I have so many different accounts. (laughs) So I, I just feel like that's just needed nowadays and just to organize your life. So it's just another way to stay organized. Yeah, for me, I just set aside an hour every week, log into my bank accounts, make sure that things are in order. I have a little notepad where I write down, I write the balances, and then I log into my credit card accounts. I make sure to check recent transactions, see that everything seems accurate, and then I'll just make the payments manually. So this is like an hour process every week. And for me, I think an hour is reasonable because I have over 40 credit cards at the moment. I have lots of bank accounts. That's a lot. So yes. it's it's a lot to manage, but I recommend to people start small, get a new card, get that big welcome offer. Maybe you get some travel benefits too. And then over time, when you're more comfortable with it, then add another card. And of course, I went down the rabbit hole and I'm just trying to maximize here and have many, many different cards. It's It's been really life-changing going to destinations I otherwise would not have paid for because I have so many opportunities with points and miles. Like before the show, I was talking about just getting outright free cruises thanks to the hobby. And these cruises yeah. would possibly cost like 1000 or $1,500 so yeah, if you, if the casinos want to give me cruises for matching status to get into their programs, I'm I'm all on board for that. There's definitely opportunities out there. So it's just about, <laughs> yep. uh, it's almost like a, an investment, you know, it just it's like playing at, at a casino or, you know, playing the stock market or just anything else. It's like you got to be stay on top of it. If you don't yep. stay on top of it, you know, then you're going to get eaten up. But uh, if you keep managing it well, you know, and you're just you're you're looking out like there's some really great opportunities and ways that you can really benefit. Yeah. A past podcast guest, Tammy, said that some people give up before they even try that they just think they can't manage. it. They just think they can't do it, but they're not even giving themselves an attempt to start with a small goal and trying to do their best and stay on top of it like they, they give up before they even try. Yeah, it's just about being a more responsible human being, period. I mean, I know it, it, it takes a lot, but every day more and more, you know, just in your own life, you know, you just really got to take responsibility about what's, you know, going in your life, what's going out of your life and, and, and how you're affecting everything. Yeah, there might be some people in the audience or people in general that might not be able to manage alcohol, that they drink one drink and then all of a sudden it turns into 10 and yeah, it's just not a good situation. So maybe there are some people that can't handle alcohol, that can't handle credit and should stay away. But I I don't think that's going to be the fate of everyone. Like um, Dave Ramsey, I mentioned, is everyone who uses credit cards is going to overspend. You don't have control. Like it's just um, a real black and white statement. That's just not true. Yeah. And I think, yeah, depending on people's lifestyles, maybe there's people out there who don't want to travel as frequently as we do, you know, and so they can use their money in, in other ways. And that's perfectly fine. But it's, you know, do do you and do responsibly. All right. Very good. Let's move on to some destinations. You recently traveled to Portugal. So can you tell us about that? Oh, I loved Portugal. I've always wanted to go to Portugal. I don't even know why, really. Um, but for years and years and years, um, well over, you know, 15, maybe even around the start of my website when I started it, I wanted to go to Portugal and uh, finally got the opportunity. I was invited by this amazing tour company, Tourism for All, and they have an incredible vehicle line of accessible vehicles, excuse me and um are that are fully equipped they can hold not just you know one one accessible um sorry one uh individual in a wheelchair for example they can hold um in one particular bus i think it was up to 12 maybe or something like that uh, people in wheelchairs or, or, or maybe even more than that i mean just absolutely incredible and that's just people in wheelchairs and then they can have of course other passengers who um who can sit in, in a regular seat. Um, there's still more seats open for them, but it was such a great organization. It was set, It was so well orchestrated from the airport, picking us up, um, getting us to our hotel, um, just showing us around the, the country, explaining all the different food and, and the culture and um, about uh, all the different tiles. And uh, it, it was... It was very, very, very rewarding, and I'm very happy that I also got to spend a little time traveling alone um, because I really feel like 
with the tour company. It's, it's so much fun. And I love traveling with a group, but I also love just to travel, you know, with just, you know, by myself or, you know, maybe with, you know, a couple other people just to, to be like really immersing yourself in, in a country or in a particular destination. Cause I feel like on, on a tour, sometimes, you know, it, it's not just up to your time frame. of course, you know, there's a whole, you know, group of people. So, you know, it's, you know, it's on to the next thing and on to the, the next activity. And there's just so much to, to do and see. Um, but actually, I'm so glad, though, that I did do the tour because I like that they did push us instead of um, me just kind of meandering around the streets like so much. I mean, I got to see so much more with them and, you know, their accessible transportation because some parts of Portugal, uh, especially around Lisbon, um, you know, around the hillier parts, uh, there's not accessible transportation. There might be a bus station, but you don't know exactly where it might be. So to have transportation to drop you off right at the entrance was a game changer. And I thought it was a game changer too for the, the transportation because in Portugal, there's quite a bit of cobblestones. And so to be able to uh, be dropped off in front of a museum, for example, and not have to go over even more cobblestones uh, was again, a game changer and allowed us to see so, so, so much more. Um, Lisbon was beautiful. We got to see, um, we went to the coast. I, I went up even to um, Fatima and saw so many different churches and basilicas and monasteries and um, beautiful, just beautiful buildings. And everybody was so nice. So so nice. Um, I feel like I say that, um, you know, almost every destination that, that I traveled to, there was something about uh, the chill vibe of, of Portugal. Everybody just seemed to, you know, just be on break. You know, there just wasn't on any rush for anything. You know, it was, oh, you need directions. Oh, you need this or that. Oh, okay. Well, first come here, have a coffee or have, have an espresso. And, you know, just, just, just sit down, just sit down and enjoy the day with us. Just, just, just talk, you know, and, and just relax and, and chill. There are so many coffee breaks and uh, the seafood, the seafood was absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh. The seafood was so fresh. So very, very fresh. And I loved how almost little that they seasoned it. Um, it, it was pretty much, you know, like olive oil, like salt and pepper, um, almost it pretty much. Uh, sometimes they might add like an herb or two, but for the most part, that was it. And they would just grill it or fry it or something like that. And just the, the pure taste of it would, would really stand out. Oh, and the cheese, the cheese and the bread. Sorry. Now I'm just thinking about all the, food. <laughs> all the, the listeners food will be hungry. Ugh. Maybe they're eating as they're listening though. So yes. it's okay. Oh, the cheese. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just going, going to Portugal for cheese, bread, and wine. Oh, the wine. I mean, yes, you hear about Italy, you hear about some, you know, some of these other countries and Portugal is very underrated. Um, I live in the, in California, there's a number of excellent, excellent wine countries. And I've definitely traveled abroad and have had wine in you know various parts of the world out of all the best places. They could definitely hold a candle. I mean, there were some wines that were just absolutely superb and at a fraction of the cost, you know, just sometimes you would find a place where you would just get a gorgeous bottle of wine, which you may pay for at least $50, you know, in California, if, if not more, um, you know, and it would be like $8 for a bottle of wine. And, and then I wasn't, and I wasn't even a big wine drinker, but I just, I had to, I was lucky that we were with a group. So um, there was enough people at any occasion, somebody would always want to get wine. And so you'd always be able to have a little bit of a sample. And, um, oh, it's just so delicious. But even if you're not a wine drinker, you could just go there for cheese and bread. And actually their beer is also fantastic. If you don't like wine and you are more so of a, of a beer drinker, their beer is also absolutely delicious. And again, I live in California, have been up and down the coast, you know, Oregon, Vancouver, all sorts of amazing breweries and, you know, just as hoppy, just as delicious over in Portugal. All right, great. And what were the accommodations there, the flight and the hotel? The flight there um, was just, you know, basic, yeah, 
basic flight, um, nothing, you know, extra fancy that uh, was was provided, but still very grateful that um, it was all paid for by by the tour company. Oh, nice. Yes. And um, yeah, the whole thing was it was absolutely fantastic. So very grateful. Um, they did such a great job. Oh, my goodness. And um, the, the hotel. The, yeah, that's what I was just thinking of. Yeah, the, all the hotels, they had roll-in showers, um, you know, some were like, you know, slightly different than others in terms of, you know, sometimes they would have a little bit of glass, more, more glass around them, around them than I, than I would like. But because uh, when you have a wheelchair, it's kind of hard to maneuver through glass doors, depending on the size of your wheelchair and depending on the size of the door. Um, you know, it can get a little tricky, but uh, I definitely saw a lot of really good accessible features there. And um, oh, just, just something also I'd need to talk about Portugal, just the people just in general, just being so nice. And something that I just had not experienced for such a long time was uh, people being so kind in traffic driving. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. I just have not been to a, like, a country where people are just so gracious and oh yes like are you oh are you trying to get over oh yes i understand yes we're all trying to go the same way and you know it's it wasn't 100 percent perfect but by far nothing like i had really experienced for such a long time and i had flown from california to new york and so there was just a vast difference between the two um and then getting to uh portugal yes it was it was like night and day in comparison and just how people handled themselves in, in traffic. Very refreshing, very kind. Of course, they didn't have as many people. So maybe that's why they were a little bit nicer because <laughs> they had a little bit more space in traffic. But even, you know, even when there was commuting times or congestion, you know, people were just, you know, all kind of working together. And, and I really like that. All right. Another destination you listed on your website at wheelchairtraveling.com with one L is Easter Island. So can you talk about your experience there? Yes, I went to Easter Island for 24 hours. I was in Chile for a couple of weeks and we decided, hey, we're so close. I know it's not that accessible, but maybe we can just go there for a night, you know, even if we can't shower or whatnot, you know, it's just, it's just 24 hours. So um, we found a hotel um, that worked well enough. And actually we did find other hotels that really could, could have been, you know, really good, but they were booked up. You know, we were kind of planning this way last minute, a little adventure add on. And uh, it was absolutely spectacular. No regrets whatsoever. Uh, we rented a car, two people in wheelchairs rented a car and uh, we had portable hand controls and drove around the island a bunch of times because it's a very small island, but absolutely, absolutely beautiful. And the statues and their placements and their various locations each have their very own unique, powerful energy behind them. And how the sun interacts with them, whether it's rising or setting, is also very unique to each set of, of heads. And I mean, the moment that, that you arrive on that island, I mean, you just you just feel something that's something just divine, something beyond beyond us, beyond space and time, just something extra powerful there. Absolutely gorgeous. All right. And you've talked about cruises on your website as well. How have cruises been? I would think that cruises would be quite accessible. Some of the hallways might be a little bit small, but I've seen a lot of elevators on cruises to help one get around. And the open areas leading to the dining room have usually been pretty big and easy to navigate. And you don't have to worry about driving around or going to different destinations as everything is on the ship, except for maybe when you disembark and go to islands or different ports. How have cruises been for you? Well, um, there are definitely cruises that I think are very worthwhile. Um, like, for example, I think Alaska, the Alaska cruise is definitely something very special and, and unique. And I know there's there's other cruises, too, that are um, are very unique and wonderful. And just depending on, again, yeah, your ability and your interest level and, you know, so many other factors, um, a cruise may or may not be, you know, your, your, your cup of tea. There's a lot of, you know, benefits to cruises. Yes, I mean, in general, it's, um, you know, 
fairly accessible for the most part. You know, there are elevators. Um, you know, rooms are accessible. The rooms are usually like, pretty pretty great. My my uh, my problem with with cruises though is that uh, not every aspect of the boat is always accessible, um, which I find a little bit disappointing, whether, um, and I'm not even talking about elevators breaking, which also is a factor, or the fact that maybe if there are elevators, they might be, you know, located on super opposite sides of the ship. So you're still having to wheel so far and backtrack anytime you're trying to get to a particular destination. There's been restaurants that I've gone to that aren't very accessible. I might be able to get through the front door, but the seating isn't accessible. Um, they'll have seats that are not removable, for example. You just can't dine there. And I feel like there's just too many too many of those variables that I feel like on cruises that, that just shouldn't be. Um, I feel like seats, e- even if it might be, um, you know, an aesthetics thing. Um, there could be a way just to have a particular chair, you know, um, unscrew and, you know, be put somewhere else for a time being. And, you know, somebody in a wheelchair can, you know, sit at a particular table or, you know, at a, at a table in general, or um, there's, there's definitely ways of modifying spaces to, you know, have, you know, universal accessibility. So it's all accessible um, in a normal state. And then you're able to create access in, um, in various nooks and crannies. And so I would definitely love to see cruises do a little bit better um, with that. And in regards to um, making the excursions also way more accessible, I feel like the excursions, there's such a limitation on what is accessible for a lot of excursions. Um, and I feel like that's that's just very limiting. Um, if I'm going on an Alaska cruise, for example, if everybody gets off you know, at a particular destination, I don't expect to do everything. I don't even expect to do half or even 70% of it, but 70% of, of the activities. But one option, yeah, I, I think one option is very reasonable. Two options, I think that's you know, also very reasonable to give people a choice. So I think uh, cruise lines could definitely do a little bit better with that. And I I don't know if it's a legality thing where certain things that they just might get sued for. I've been to so many different destinations where a cruise line won't offer activities at a particular destination, even though I know there's adaptive activities at a particular destination but they just won't allow customers to uh, participate in those. So I, I hope that's changing. And I definitely feel like it is. Um, things are, have definitely been broadening on, on those scales, but, uh, but there's still, still a ways to go because I just don't want to go on a cruise and just sit on a cruise boat the whole time. When I want to be able to get off and maybe go to a garden or go to a museum or just do some kind of activity, um, some kind of cultural interaction, um, as opposed to, yeah, just being on the boat all the time. Because um, as beautiful and fun as a cruise ship can be, which there's always so many things to do and there's lots of entertainment and, you know, there's lots of great fun can be had. But being on a cruise boat for, you know, let's say seven days or whatnot, um, yeah, it gets a little seasick after a while. And it's nice just to be able to get off the boat, you know, and, you know, put your legs on dry land, so to speak. All right, we'll move on to considerations for flights. What should people know for themselves, or perhaps if they are a caregiver, partner, friend, family member for flights and people using wheelchairs? Um, Definitely contact the airline in advance about wheelchair accommodations. Make sure that one, that they know that you have um, a wheelchair or some kind of mobility device. And oftentimes airlines, especially when you're traveling abroad, they need to know the weight of your, of that wheelchair. So have a general idea of, of how much that weighs. When flying on the airplane in general that day, I would recommend people to take off any and everything that could fall off the wheelchair. Bags, 
hand rest or hand guards, bags, backs sometimes can even come off. And anything, yeah, anything that can possibly fall off um, or um, get damaged, uh, try to take it off. And then, of course, if you have a power wheelchair, it's a good idea to bubble wrap and or use padding around the joystick and other uh, sensitive areas um, of the chair in order to provide more protection. And in general, I think it's a really good idea just to educate people along the way at the airport who are handling the wheelchair. So when you're getting onto the plane, the, the person who's actually going to be taking that chair, you know, down to cargo, you know, just educate them, educate them. Okay. You know, this is, you know, not just, you know, a pair of golf clubs, you know, or a stroller that can be replaced. These things are very expensive. You know, insurance doesn't immediately cover them if they cover them at all that fast. Um, a lot of people's insurance uh, will only cover a chair or, or mobility device every five to 10 years. And sometimes even that gets quite complicated. So uh, these things are, you know, very fragile and shouldn't be treated like any other luggage. Um, they're, they need to be protected a little bit more because we want to be able to, to use them when we get off the, the airplane. If, if possible too, uh, if you have a manual chair and or a power chair and you can bring a spare with you, um, bring us a, a spare manual wheelchair with you because yeah, if one breaks, you always have a wheelchair that you at least feel comfortable in that fits you. So you're not just literally stuck with flat wheels and unable to go anywhere. All right. Very good. Any other trips coming? We're recording in August of 2023, almost September of 2023. Any other travel this year or maybe in 2024? I'll definitely be um, going to the Southwest, uh, sometime maybe uh, in the winter or maybe early spring or something like that. So I haven't decided exactly where I'm going to go. I'm dreaming a lot. I'm, I just came back at, from a trip to the Tetons and Yellowstone, which was absolutely epic. I uh, got to add two national parks to my list that I haven't been to yet. And I highly recommend both these parks. Um, so I'm still kind of honestly buzzing from these two park trips and really want to honestly go back to uh, to Yellowstone because we were only there for uh, basically 48 hours and uh, did not do nearly as much as I would have liked to have done in Yellowstone because that park is, is really big. I was planning um, a trip uh, to Hawaii, but I made the reasonable decision to obviously not go in respect to what's what's happening and just to send prayers and aid in however shape and form that I can over to Hawaii as Hawaii heals. But if anybody has not been to Hawaii, when the time is right, I definitely recommend going back to Hawaii because it is definitely one of the most special places on the planet and they definitely need our love and support more than ever. Yes, I really liked my trip. I was in Hawaii early 2020, weeks before the initial COVID lockdowns or shelter in place. So it was a, a great trip. I used Hilton free night certificates to stay out there in Waikiki Village. Hilton Waikiki Village had resort credits to use for food there and a lot of hiking, um, touring a decommissioned warship and many sites to see. So it was very interesting out there. Very nice. Yes, very nice. And so you you were there right before the lockdown? So in Just a few weeks before. All right. And if you can go ahead and plug your site again and other resources where people can find you online. Yes, my website is wheelchairtraveling.com. And my book, again, is Confined to a Line. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all those major ones. Um, and I would love to uh, connect with you and let me know if there's any accessibility features that I can update or add or anything or any shape or form that uh, we can be a part of in order to make this world a more accessible place. All right. And if you can repeat and spell your name for listeners. Yes, it's Ashley Lynn Olson, A-S-H-L-E-Y, Lynn, L-Y-N. Last name is Olson, O-L-S-O-N.
Oh, yes. All the alternate spellings that can be possible yes. there. <laughs> all right. Anything else you'd like to add as we're wrapping up? Well, Justin, I'm so happy that you've taken on this new venture with traveling. It's right up your alley. And I know you love traveling and in terms of all of your different outlooks and connections, you're just going to be able to, to share so much with people. And I'm, I'm very happy for you and excited for what's what's next for you. Oh, yes. Been going strong with this podcast for some time now. I'll be speaking at an event in October, ZorkFest, Z-O-R-K-F-E-S-T, in Lake Tahoe. So I'll be sharing many of those tips and connecting with others there. So I hope to meet some listeners there. And I'm really excited for that. That'll be an upcoming trip in Lake Tahoe this October. After September, I'm going to Vancouver, Vegas, and Alaska, I might have mentioned. So excited. And another Caribbean cruise coming up in December. Very nice. So lots, I, lots I, just, I just came back from Tahoe. Yeah. So you asked Ooh. me about where I'm going. Like <laughs> I just I just literally have done a marathon of, of travel trips in the past six months. So right. I, I need to take at least, you know, a month or two of uh, <laughs> before I take take off again. The world tour for sure. Yes. <laughs> Well, we're um, we're winning against the war on happiness, so that's that's a very good thing. Yes, it lurks around all corners. <laughs> Definitely, and that's the war that matters. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for future episodes. Visit hurdygurdytravel.com. That's h-u-r-d-y-g-u-r-d-y travel.com to contact me, find me on social media, read select episode transcripts, and schedule a free consultation. Support the show through Subscribestar, referral links, and buying from my eBay store. Find this show on many podcast platforms and YouTube where you can find bonus videos. Supporting me on Subscribestar will give you special perks, including a custom podcast episode, questions answered by upcoming guests, and monthly private one-on-one conversations delving into more advanced topics I don't openly discuss at length in podcast episodes. Visit meetup.com slash Philly Miles and Points to learn about Greater Philadelphia Travel, Credit Miles and Points meetups I host in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. I hope to see you in person at a future event. Find a link in the show notes. I'll be speaking at the upcoming Lake Tahoe Conference, ZorkFest, in October of 2023, which will include social events and sessions educating about miles, points, and gambling. Find more information at ZorkFest.com. That's Z-O-R-K-F-E-S-T dot com. Listen to my other podcast, the Stoic Solutions Podcast, found at StoicSolutionsPodcast.com. My podcast guests and I offer practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient tradition of Stoic philosophy from Greece and Rome. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.